hymn number 151, My Savior First of All, is the And we're going to sing this one together. The songwriters wrote when my life's work is ended, and I cross the swelling tide when the bright and glorious morning I shall see, I shall know my Redeemer. When I reach the other side, and his smile will be the first to welcome me, I shall know him. What a hope of the church tonight that we hold in our hearts. We have reason to rejoice because God is indeed preparing a place for those who love us for him. Let's stand, the ushers will come as we bring this in there.
we're going to sing a chorus together and sign together. He touched me. And I'd like to, uh, we haven't done it in a while, or I haven't seen it done in a while. I'd like to have a scripture shower after. Maybe you could just share, you know, just quickly a scripture that God has laid on your heart. Not, you know, not a testimony, but just a scripture. Just to encourage and uplift the church tonight. Uh, just to lead us into our worship time, if that's okay. So if you have a scripture on your heart after we sing the song, just, uh, we'll just stand up, pop up over all over this place, all right? He touched me.
Thank you. 
scripture before we move on into worship. Come on, we are you are I'd like to say with the hymn letter tonight, there is a sacrifice for sin. There is amazing grace. There is a change that comes within each time a sinner prays. There is a cross that's bloodstained, but the stories do not end. There is a tomb that's empty, and it's the only one there is.
Give an honor of God in the best. Pray for our marriage that needs restoration, urgent and urgent unspoken prayer requests. Amen. I'm also praying for the diversity undergoing tests at Mount Science, James Ball, Irene Short, Isabel Lodge, Patsy Muse, Harold Newman, Sheila Lane, Joan George, Mike Crocker, Jean Andrews, Myrtle Angel, another urgent unspoken prayer request. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we can come to you, Lord, with all our needs here, God, Lord. Nothing, dear God, is too hard for you, Lord. Nothing is too great for you. And Lord, we can bring it forward to you because you are the great physician, Lord. You are the great healer, Lord. You are the great miracle worker, Lord. And Lord, we have faith tonight and we believe without a shadow of a doubt or that none of these needs are God, Lord, is impossible for you, Lord. And that you, oh God, can move in their life and you can heal them, Lord, of cancer, Lord. You can heal them of sickness, Lord. You can heal their bodies, dear God, of lameness, Lord. God, you can touch them, dear God. You can touch their mind, Lord. You can move in their mind and give them spirit, mental strength, Lord, mental healing, Lord. And Lord, we just pray, dear God, that you would move mightily in those urgent, unspoken prayer requests, Lord. We don't know what they are, Lord, but you know what they are, Lord. We bring them to you, Lord, because, Lord, you know everything about us. And you know everything, all our needs, Lord, everything that we have on our heart, Lord. You know what they are, God. So, therefore, Lord, we just leave it at your feet, Lord. Knowing, your God, that you can take care of it, Lord. You take care of us, Lord. You care for us. You care for the sheep, Lord. And, Lord, we thank you, your God, that we, oh, Lord, are entrusted in you, Lord. And, Lord, that we are safe, Lord, with you, your God. So Lord, I just pray right now for the remainder part of the service, Lord, that you would move mightily, dear God. Pray for the pastors who come with the word of God, Lord. I pray that you give strength tonight, Lord. Lord, I pray for anointing, dear God, upon the word of God tonight. I pray, Lord, that it will go forth in power and authority tonight. And Lord, there will be liberty in the house of the Lord to preach the word of God. So Lord, we just pray right now your hand upon, Lord, the service this evening. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. We're going to sing a couple of courses before Pastor comes with the word. He, G, here we are.
There's no greater way I'd like to be remembered than by supporting the work of missions. So do your best, will you? You have a church in Deerland because businessmen gave up their own finances and left the capital city of St. John's and heavily supported the work of the gospel. And C.L. March paid the first down payment for the rent in Hinders Hall. Aren't you glad somebody gave the missions? Praise God. Aren't you glad somebody gave the missions? I praise the Lord. So good to see Pastor Mrs. Robert Ann with us this evening. I'm not sure if you're moved over yet or not. Are you moved over? Good. Stand up. I want you to see this precious couple. Let's give them a welcome. I was their pastor for 10 long years. And now I'm going to be their pastor again. But I'm going to tell you. And they are two of the godliest people that I have ever met in my 26 years of pastoral ministry. And we're honored to have them here and dear with us. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're turning to the book of Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. Can we stand in reference for the reading of God's precious and His holy word? Exodus chapter 2 and beginning to read at verse 1. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got the bulrushes basket for him and coated it with tar and with pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying. And she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went to God the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Our text verse is verse 3. Verse 3. It says, But when she could no longer hide him, she made a little basket and waterproofed it, and she put it on the edge of the Nile, where the reeds were. The title of the message this evening is Raising a Basket Case. Raising a Basket Case. I'm going to ask our board secretary this evening if he would pray for me as I would deliver the word of God. Let's unite with our brother Windsor as he leads us to the Lord in prayer. 
Amen. You may be seated. Raising a basket case. How many of you would call your child a basket case? Well, there have been times over the years where my mother may not have exactly called me a basket case, but she told me to calm down and to listen. Now we're in the scripture. Today is Mother's Day. We are celebrating mothers and celebrating family. Time Magazine some time ago did a survey. And through that survey, they decided, they came up with the conclusion that Mother's Day is the greatest day of the calendar where people reflect on their family, their family values, and reminisce. So this is a day, most likely, where everybody is reminiscing about their family, about their upbringing, about their value system, that which has been taught to them. As we look today in a world that is changing, and that my wife so aptly this morning has preached a message to mothers, but tonight I want to talk to families in general. We are living in a crucial hour. If you don't believe me, you need to watch our news and you need to read our papers. We are at a crucial time in the place we call Canada. The value system that you and I once valued is being eroded at every juncture of which we are living. Who would have ever thought that we would have the debates not only in the House of Commons, but in the House of God that we are having today? We are at a crucial hour. We are in perilous times. And we see the times being fulfilled before our very eyes. Therefore, it is important that every Bible-believing person stand on biblical principles and believe God's Word and live God's Word. William Booth, the founder of the Great Salvation Army, was conducting a funeral service for a reprobate one day in London, England. This man was a reprobate in every shape and sense and form. He was a person that was despised. He had broken the law. He had done some terrible things. So the general was called upon to preach his funeral message. While he was getting ready for the service, one of the comrades in his nice ironed uniform passed the vestibule. As he did, he looked at the general with his long white beard and said, General, what good can you say about that reprobate today? The general, in his great wisdom, looked at the, the soldier and he said, My comrade, he said, This dear man did not have a praying mother like you did. Today we recognize the spiritual influence that you and I can have on our families. Some of you are here tonight. You say, Pastor, my children are raised, but God has given you a second opportunity to touch the lives of your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and to instill in their lives biblical principles. As we read about this basket case named Moses, we read of a little woman that decided in her mind her family was going to be God's and not this world's. I have made up my mind that I will fight until the day 
Some of us today, can I pause here for a moment? Some of us are here today and we're more concerned about our vehicles than we are our children. I knew you wouldn't say that. I had one woman say to me one time, she said, Pastor, if my husband thought as much about me as he did his boat, she said, I'd be powered every day that I did. Do you hear me today? Yes. We spend so much of our time and resources in things that rust and decay. When I die, I cannot bring my RAV4 to heaven nor what I want to. I cannot bring all of my materialism nor what I want to. But when I enter the glories of eternity, I can bring with me my family. And that's all that matters at this moment in my life. Church today, it's about time that once again we recognize we have a basket case. We have a Moses that somebody's got to intercede for. There's a Moses that somebody's got to stretch out for. This dear little mother had not realized the sacredness of the hour and had allowed herself to be consumed with all that was happening in Egypt. She would have lost her son. The story is told of David who wept after Absalom was hanging from the oak. One preacher said he should have cried when Absalom was running on the horse rather than when he hanged from an oak. Hear me today, church of God, this is the hour to stand for our families and to believe for them. Why do I believe this? Because I believe there is an eternity that awaits every human being. There is an eternity with God, and there is an eternity without God. Therefore, it is my duty and responsibility to instill and to pray and to believe for my family. In this passage, we are introduced to a woman and mother by the name of Jochebed. She stands out as one of the greatest mothers revealed in Scripture. She not only impacted her son, but she impacted a generation. Hear me, parents, grandparents, this evening. Hear me, and hear me clear. Not only can we influence the family around our table, but that influence can go beyond our sphere and touch countless lives because of our faithfulness to God. This dear mother, touching as it may seem, understood the sacredness of the hour and understood her responsibility. Parents and grandparents today, we have been given an awesome responsibility, one that God has entrusted to us. We need to touch our families and we need to leave a positive influence in a world of corruption which we live. You see, Jacobin was an Israelite. She was one of God's chosen people. She was of the tribe of Israel. That means she was a deeply religious person. She knew of God and about God. She had heard about Father Abraham. She had known the promises of Genesis chapter 12. 
And God said, I will bless your seed. And I will make you a great nation. She understood it. She was indeed an Israelite of the Levite tribe. Secondly, Jacobin had a relationship with the Lord. And she lived a life of faith. She knew what it was to trust in God. We see thirdly from this text that Jacobin was concerned about the well-being of her family. Are you concerned about your family today? Are you concerned where they are and the choices they're making? Are you willing to stand in the gap for your family, for your children? Yes, I'm thankful for the education that they receive and the accolades that they may receive. But at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter if my son got five more degrees than your son. Really doesn't matter if my son's house is five times larger than yours. What matters is this. Have my children and your children had a relationship with God so that they can weather whatever storm comes in their life. Pastor in Virtue Bay. We begin to pray for our families and I erected on either side of the sanctuary stand on the cross. One night in the prayer meeting, the people came and they put their families' names on the cross. Those that needed salvation. And we watched God do wonderful things in the life of the children. And I remember one lady saying to me one night, she said, Pastor, I put my boy's name on that cross. But she said, it seems that he's getting farther and farther from the Lord. But I remember one night, Saturday to sleep, when the telephone rang in our house in the parsonage. And I picked it up half asleep, three o'clock in the morning. And who should I hear on the other line but a voice saying, Pastor Boyd, is that you? Is that you? And I said, yes. He said, this is so-and-so. I'm calling from the mainland. And I said, why are you calling? What is the problem? He said, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I need prayer. I need God to touch my life at this moment. Then my mind went back to a little mother who thought she hadn't done very much, but she had instilled in the life of her son that when a crisis comes, there is only one person that can change your life, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jacobin was a godly woman. She was a woman who knew God. When I die, I don't know who my wife will get to pay tribute. Maybe she won't get it to Pastor Jerry, will you pay tribute? Thank you. <laughs> I don't know what Pastor Jerry will say. I'll know where, where I'll be close. He might say a few nice things about me. I'm not sure. <laughs> but do you know what? I doubt they're going to stand behind the pulpit say I was a great preacher because I'm not. They certainly won't talk about my singing and they won't certainly talk about my nice hairdo. But I hope to God that when I exit this world and they get ready to lay my body in the earth as a seed planted waiting for the resurrection of the dead, I hope to God that somebody says he may not have been a very good preacher, he may not have been the best looking man around, and he may not have had the most education in this world, but he knew God and he made an impact in his house on his wife and upon his children and upon his grandchildren. If they can say that, I've made it. I've done something worthwhile. If not, 
missed the boat. I've missed the boat. I read a book a few years ago of a preacher. And I found it amazing as the author begins to talk about his great ministry. Then the author says, I interviewed his children. They didn't want to talk about him as a father. But they said they talk about him as a pastor. I closed the book and I stopped where I was reading. And I said, Lord, I pray to God that my boys will never say, I don't want to talk about dad as a father. I'll talk about him as a pastor, but I can't really talk about him as a father. Today, we need people who will live lives that are above reproach and are leaving examples to their family. Number one this evening, I want to say we see her courage. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 22. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every boy that is born, you must throw him into the Nile. Because he cannot live. We will only allow the girls to live. In a few verses before that, he asked the midwives. When the babies, the Hebrew babies are born, I want you to destroy them. Of course, the Bible tells us that before the midwives got there, the babies were born. And the midwives said, but Pharaoh, before we get there, they're born, and we don't have a chance to get them in the Nile. So then he orders this decree. And he says, every Hebrew boy is going to die. Do you see a little woman who was willing to stand against the tide of the hour and say, no Pharaoh, no hell, no devil, no demonic force is going to have my boy. What did she say? I'm going to keep them. And for three months she kept them. Now, I don't know how she kept them. There were no windows. There were shutters possibly. If you study Egyptian history, there were probably shutters on the houses, but there were no windows. There were certainly no soundproof rooms. Most of their houses were made of mud. Here they were in mortar. How she healed for three months? Moses ended up a lot quieter than my two boys. As I'm going to tell you, three o'clock in the morning, one would wake up screaming, and I'd go out and lift them up at the crib, and I'd wait two minutes for the next one to scream. And then I'd take the two of them out, scream. But for some reason, she was able for three months to hide them in this house. But then the time came. Maybe Moses got too, too big. Maybe he got too loud. Maybe it got too noticeable. So she said to her family, I can't do this anymore, but I will not allow that Pharaoh to take my boy and throw him into the Nile. I'm not allowing under any circumstance for anybody to touch my Moses. Mothers and fathers, it's about time we stood up again and said nobody's going to touch our Moses. I don't care if Pharaoh be Pharaoh. Let him be Pharaoh. But nobody's going to touch my boy. When she could no longer hide him, she made a basket, the Bible says, and she coated it with tar and with pitch. What courage we see here in this life as this woman declares what she's going to do and how she is going to do it. Even though the decree of Pharaoh was death, she refused to give into a godless system that would have cost her the life of her son. 
She was not afraid to take a stand in dark days and say enough is enough. Pharaoh will not have my boy. That takes courage. Think about it. The decree has gone out. Every boy is to die. Here she is making a basket. She's putting tar inside. I don't know how it all went out, but I got a feeling that maybe Miriam said, Mom, do you know this is not going to work? Don't you know that somebody's going to see us take the basket to the river? Don't you think somebody's going to hear him cry? But this little mother Jacobin looked and she said, listen, I am not allowing Pharaoh to destroy our family. And I will declare today that there is courage in the name of the Lord. We need men and women who have courage today to believe for their family. One little boy asked his father, he said, Dad, what is a Christian? For a long time, the father sat with the son. In great detail, he explained what a Christian was supposed to be. When it was finished, the father felt he had done a great job in declaring and describing what a Christian was. With his illustrations and his great talk, he thought, man, I've done a great job explaining to my son what a Christian is. As he concluded, and these thoughts were going through his mind, his son Dad said, Dad, have I ever met one? That moment the father's hopes were shattered when he realized he had told his young boy what a Christian was. And then the person, the, the, the son, looked at his father and said, have I ever met anybody like that? We need to take inventory today of the people that will present to our families people who know God and people who will rise above the dictates of society. I read another story in a book that I read recently. The author tells of a father and a son that were on their way to a fishing ex expedition. They were involved in a motor vehicle accident. The little boy had been thrown from the car when the father regained his senses and realized what had happened, he got out of the car and he was bruised and beaten and he began to look for his boy. Found him on the edge of the bank, very beaten, bleeding and barely alive. The little boy opened his eyes and looked at his dad and he said, son, he said, we're going to get someone here to help you, but you're really hurt. Do you mind if you see Jesus today? And the little boy said, I don't, Dad, if he's like you. Can you hear me? I don't, Dad, if he's like you. For us today, we need to be people of courage that presents to our family what it is to know God and to believe in faith for the miraculous and to believe for the supernatural in our lives. Secondly, we see her confidence. Not only do we see her courage by standing against Pharaoh and saying, I will not allow him to destroy my boy. We see her confidence. In Exodus chapter 2 and verse 3, then she placed the child in the basket 
and put it along the reeds along the bank of the Nile. And his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. By confidence, I'm referring to faith. Jochebed was a woman motivated by a strong faith in the will of a sovereign God. Her faith was so strong that she is named along with her husband in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23. And her confidence and her faith was in God. Just imagine, she's now carrying her three-month-old boy in a basket. She knows that all the other boys are already dead. But now in this basket is her son. She goes to the river bank. And in confidence, she allows the basket to float. It's about time, parents, that some of us let go and let God do something in our family. You talk about faith. The moment that she put the basket in the Nile, she said, Lord, I can't hide him any longer. Lord, I can't protect him any longer. Lord, I can't stop Pharaoh any longer, but I'm going to put him in the Nile, and I'm now placing him into your hands. Can we have confidence today that God is going to minister to our families? Indeed we can. You see, she resisted the world. The world was crying for his death, but she stood among and stood strong in the, the attacks. The world demanded that our children be taught and accept their way of thinking. But we need parents who will teach God's word and steer clear of the world and its devices. She resisted the world. And I resisted them. Any mindset that is unlike God. I resist an enemy who would like to destroy my family. But I know a God who like Jacobin resisted and believed. Moving on. As I already said, she released the child. It took faith to make the basket. It took faith to place her son in the basket. It took faith to place him in the Nile. It took faith to have his sister wait and see. And she took her hand off the child. And she placed him into the hand of God. She placed him in God's divine will. And she released him to a God who was going to protect him, provide for him, and the promises of God would be his. Now I know it's not easy today. I walked with far too many families and have had to release their child and the circumstances of life are almost unbearable. But Jacob had said, okay God, now it's Moses and God. How many of you today by the raising of your hands brought your children to the minister of the gospel and had them dedicate your child? How many of you raise your hands? Yes. You brought your children to the man or woman of God. And they took in their arms your children. And they prayed over them. That's why our dedications are more than just christenings. They are asking and evoking the presence of God upon their lives. Evoking the blessing of God, the protection of God, and the will of God in their lives. 
Not easy to release them. Or else my wife has said our boys are 20 years of age. And I've had to release them to God. Pastor Hand is here tonight and I've told you the story. And I remember the night when I had to release them to God even before they were born. And we sat in the parsonage in Virginia Bay, overwhelmed with the doctor's report, getting ready to go to St. John's. Pastor Hand and the Lord Deacons walked across the parking lot with a parsonage and rapped on the door and walked in. And Pastor Hand stood in the middle of our living room and began to pray that God would protect two unborn babies in the womb of their mother. And at that moment, I released them into God's presence. And today, our boys have been blessed by God simply because I was willing to release them to the only person that could touch their lives and transform them. That is where we are today. Moving on, we see thirdly and lastly her compensation. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 7. Now we're not sure what happens to Jacobin, but she was confident in God he was going to take care of her. So she said, now sister, you stay and watch what's going to happen. Now we don't know where Jacobin went. You can search the scriptures. We're not exactly sure. She might have went back and made bread. She might have went back and attended to the family. But you know what? She was so confident in God that she just waited to see what God was going to do. Now, I don't know about you today, but I have confidence in God that there is a compensation coming for every Bible-believing person who stands in faith and believes God is going to reward the faithful. All that is required of stewards, say it with What does the Bible say? All that is required of stewards is that they be faithful. That's what the Scripture says. That's all that is required is that they be faithful. Here we see the compensation. Moses' sister said, Shall I get a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby for you? The girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said, I will pay you for nursing him. And he became Pharaoh's daughter's son. Now, I don't know about you. Do you see any irony here? Do you see divine reversal here? The very man that said every boy in Egypt is going to die in the Nile. Now, that's one of the first ways. That's the God I serve. Pharaoh sitting on his lofty stand said, Not good Hebrew boy shall live. And now one Hebrew boy ate at his table, was a part of his estate, and was educated by the greatest educators of the day. I'm going to tell you, not only will God take care of your family, He will give them abundance. God will give them abundance. Amen. That's why today we need not worry about fear. We need not give up in despair, for if God created the universe, He'll take care of our families. Our trust today has to be in God. As we move rather quickly, I know I've been long, so I'm going to be as quick as I can. Can you see the compensation? Here, here is Pharaoh's daughter. She comes down to the night. She's going to bathe. I'll stop the bed. So she goes down the bay. But just before she steps into the water, she sees a basket. She says, fetch the basket for me. See what's in the basket. Somebody brings 
or the basket. It says, there's a baby in it. There's a baby. And then Carl's daughter says, it's a Hebrew baby. Why did she know it was a Hebrew baby? Well, any of you ever watched the Ten Commandments? They got a little Hebrew cloth in the, in the basket. And they call it the Hebrew cloth. Well, that's not in the scriptures. That's well, it wasn't Henson that did the act. They probably put it in. We don't know exactly, but we do know that in the book, in the books of the law, in Genesis, we read there in Genesis chapter 17, verses 10 to 12, that every Jewish boy had to be circumcised by the time they were eight days old. So the Egyptians didn't circumcise their babies. So when she lifted off the covers, she didn't need an ultrasound to find out what, what sex the baby was. She looked, it was a male, and because it was circumcised, she said, this is a Hebrew baby. Aren't you, don't you find it amazing that God must have already worked on the heart of Pharaoh's daughter? Because you know what? She knew what her father had declared. She knew not one Hebrew was supposed to be left alive. But somewhere in the life of Jochebed and her prayer or courage and her pain, God got through the daughter of the heathen Pharaoh. And instead of saying, throw him that baby in the river, lest father see it. No, what did she say? Fetch him! Get him out! Oh, and she raised the child. You see, Pharaoh wanted all the Hebrew boys killed, but now he has one for a grandson, and his money is providing for him. And she says, get a nurse! The sister says, can I get one for you? Sure you can. And what does that? You see what God is working all this out? Not only did they get a nurse, they got the very mother. Now I studied this, of course you know this, this is, this is science. They tell us that a mother who has just given birth to a baby can also give life and substance to another baby. Matter of fact, my uncle, his mother became very ill when he was three months of age. He was so sick, his mother could not nurse him. It was the days before formula, etc. She could not nurse him. But her neighbor had a baby on the same day. So what did they do? They took him over to the neighbors, and that woman nursed him. Well, she didn't know she was getting the mother of the Hebrew child. All she knew was, get a woman that can nurse his child. But God had it worked out. It wasn't going to be an ordinary woman. It was not going to be any mother at all. It was going to be the very mother of a baby in a basket. Do you see how God takes care of everything? And then we worry. Now I know you've never worried. But I have. That's my wife. I've worried many times. My grandmother Boone said many times. She said, why worry when you can pray? I believe it. Now we see that Jochebed is raising her own child in the palace of a man who wanted to kill her. She gave him herself. She is now able to pour into his life the message of the Lord and of creation. She sits upon her knee and she says, Little Moses, I want to tell you about Father Abraham. I want to tell you about him and the promises God gave to him and to the nation of Israel. I want to tell you about Adam and Eve and how they were created in the Garden of Eden. I want to tell you about Genesis 3.15. God has promised the seed of the woman. There is a redeemer that is coming. And she taught him and she told him of the goodness and the greatness of God. Oh, what a divine reversal. God does it. God does it well. You see, she experienced the deliverer. 
Her son became a man of God over the desert. Experienced the I Am. Genesis chapter 3 and Exodus rather. Chapter 3 and verse 14. The bush burned and Moses said, Who are you? God spoke from the bush. He said, I am that I am this very man who should have died in the Nile because his mother made him a basket case and gave God over to him in his life. His circumstances changed. And now not only was his life going to change, but he would perform great miracles. He would lead the children out of bondage. He would receive the law of God. He's known as a friend of God. And when he died, just imagine, when he died, God could have chosen any way to get rid of the body of Moses. He could have created him. He could have put him in the castles. He could have gone to that sea. What did God do? God took the body of Moses, and he was the funeral director. Amen? Some of you think it's only Dave Parsons. I got news for you. God was the funeral director. And God himself buried the body of Moses. A man that should have died in the Nile. Hear me. Can you hear what I'm saying? He should have died as a baby in the Nile. But now as an old man, he's being buried by God. Today, I don't know where you are in your families. I don't know the circumstance of your life. But this I do know. Don't give up on your child and your family. Don't give up on them. God has a divine plan for their lives. Right. Some of you say, well, Pastor, you talk about a basket case. My child is a drug addict. Big deal. Amen. I got one amen because he was one. They may be a drug pusher. They may be a prostitute. They may even be a molester or a murderer. But guess what? I serve a God that can turn around their families. I want you to love your children. It doesn't matter where they are or what they've done. It doesn't matter if you think they're a basket case or not. Hear me. If God allowed the daughter of the man who wanted to murder Moses become his grandfather, God can turn your family situations around today. We're asking the musicians to return. You see, Jacobet stands even after all these years as a true portrait of a godly mother. She believed God had the best for her son. And she was willing to risk all she had to find the will of God. She is not remembered like Moses, but her reward will be great. Parents and grandparents, I remember the day just after our boys birth, when they hovered between life and death, and I had to put them in a basket and push them out of the trunk. I remember the dedication service in Perchy Bay when my father and my wife's grandfather stood to dedicate our children to God. I placed them in his hands. I remember the first day of kindergarten, standing with my hands on their knees and praying God's blessing over their life and practice we did until they graduated high school. I remember every time in their lives 
every crisis, every joy, every celebration, or every story, saying, Lord, I just leave them here in this basket, and I am confident God has my family mm -hmm. in his care. Heavenly Father, I believe tonight there are parents and grandparents whose hearts today are very concerned over the decree of Pharaoh. They have seen the decree come against their homes, against their marriages, against their family, against their children, against their minds, against their lives, against their soul. Today they're wondering how in the world is God ever going to turn this around? Well, I thank God that we can rise like Jacobin with courage in the midst of, of this corruption all around us and courage to make the basket. Say, we're going to hand our child over to God. We see the confidence this woman had knowing that once he was placed in the garden, he would be the responsibility of the God that spoke in the garden of Eden would be the responsibility of the God that spoke to Abraham. Confidently, she placed them into God's hands. The compensation became real. The divine reversal came. And he now sat in the greatest institutions of Egypt because a mother was willing to believe her family. Now, Lord, in these next moments, Right now in the name of Jesus, that heart that is weary and broken and needs to be lifted up, I pray it will be lifted up now in the name of Jesus. Oh Father, there are so many of us that need to leave our Moses in the basket, in the care of God, and the confidence we believe God is going to turn this situation around. We believe it. We're going to sing the song that Krishna that was in earlier cheer. We got to touch me. Oh, we touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. As we begin to sing this evening, if you have Moses, you realize today there is a need in his life. You know the decree of Pharaoh is against you. I want you to come and I want you to stand here tonight as an act of faith. We can't literally take a basket and put our children in and push it out in the Nile. But in this service, spiritually, we can walk forward to this altar and say, Here, Lord, here I believe. And I'm believing that you're going to give us divine reversal. And this situation is going to turn around to God's glory. Let's believe it. Let's stand as we begin to sing together.
God knows why they have come. God knows the family member that's here on their heart. 